everybody out there and welcome into another episode of Hockey Mountain High, your go-to avalanche podcast presented by DraftKings Sportsbook. I am your host as always, JJ Jerez, with me of course, Arif Dean and Patrick Stedman behind the scenes controlling the, you know, the beauty of the podcast. He's the one that polishes us up and makes us sound good. So if you haven't already, give Patrick Stedman a follow on Twitter. He's a good guy. Um, but Arif, how you doing? We're sitting here on a Friday morning. We got to get one more podcast in for the week. Breakdown opening night. Look ahead to St. Louis. So, you know, let's get your starting thoughts on just opening night in general, specifically kind of the opening night ceremonies. I kind of wanted to get your uh, opinion of how that all looked and, and the, uh, the what's the word I'm looking for, the uh, aesthetics of it all. Uh, it was exactly what I thought it would be in the sense where the Avalanche are – one of the better opening night teams in the NHL. They are, I believe, they have the third best record, but it's really second because first place is Vegas with like a four and one record or whatever, or three and one or whatever it is. But Minnesota and then Colorado, those are the two best teams on opening night. And the Avalanche do it every year. They didn't last year, but there was no crowd last year. They come in, they have this great opening ceremony. The players come out one by one. Alan Roach does his thing where he shouts every player's name. Like I used to fly out here as a fan and I, I loved every bit of that moment. And he did it again. He did it again on Wednesday. It was really fun to hear. It was really cool. I loved the extra chairs that Jared Bednar got and Nathan McKinnon got, even though they weren't there. And uh, that's one for the history books. Oh, because of COVID protocol. What the hell is COVID <laughs> protocol? <laughs> Not here, not behind the bench because of COVID protocol. But that was a lot of fun. They started the same way they start every opening night at home. Crowd buzzing, team buzzing. They go quick. Even though they didn't look too good at the preseason at times, they came out strong. Nazem Kadri fit right in. And then they did the same thing they did last year where they score a ton of goals and they outshoot the living crap out of the other team while doing it. Early on, obviously. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you love to see that cool little thing that they were skating out of, right? I mean, you I missed the mountain. That was awesome, yeah. Do you remember back in the day when they would put a mountain there and they would come out of that every uh, every game? That mountain is so classic. I remember it in like NHL 04 or 05. It used to be in the video games too. <laughs> yeah, that thing was sweet. Um, But yeah, fun energy. I, I think it was a sellout, right? Not an empty seat in the house. Oh, they had us, they had us nice and crammed together in the press box too. So it was quite the sellout. <laughs> yeah, it was cramped everywhere. I'll tell you that. Um, and yeah, not too many Blackhawks fans, to be honest with you. You know, usually I feel like there are more. I mean, there were a lot. Don't get me wrong. But in past years, I feel like we've seen more. So good job for the Avs faithful to show up and not sell their tickets. Yeah, I mean, it's it's good job for them to show up and good them good job for them to buy the tickets on the secondary market because there was quite a few when I checked a few days before the game because I was curious. I was curious what prices were going for. I was curious of how many options there were and. You know what, man? This is the first sellout since March 10, 2020. Like, it has been a long, long, long freaking time. So the Avalanche... Sorry, go ahead. So I actually went to that game in the crowd. I had tickets. And about a week before, I had a friend reach out to me. And he's like, hey, let's get some tickets for opening night. I was like, sure, why the heck not? Um, So we bought some tickets. We paid about $200 for them for row three, right? And then the day of the game comes, and my friend's like, oh, man, I'm not feeling that well. And I was like, well, fortunately for me, I got some free tickets handed to me from from another party. I got some sweet tickets. So I was like, go ahead and sell the tickets we bought. And so the day of the game, after Nathan McKinnon had already been announced out of the game, we tried to post those same tickets for sale that we bought for $200. And we had 
no bites. It ended up selling for 70 bucks a piece. So I think that Nathan McKinnon COVID situation, yeah, not a good ROI. Wait, you bought them for 200 each or, or 100? 200 each. Oh, boy. Ouch. And you win some, you lose some, you'll make it up on DraftKings. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> um, one last thing I wanted to get to um, about the opening ceremony was something, I, I don't know, I, I just kind of liked it. Really, no meat behind this observation. But Darcy Kemper, during the National Anthem, did you get a chance to see how he was doing things? He sits there and he does this side-to-side like dance the whole time. Just, oh, and it, yeah. It, it's yep, really rhythmic and... It's just fun. I think I want to start doing it with him every time because it, <laughs> it looks like it gets him ready to go. But no, I'm just going to start doing it in the press box until everybody <laughs> just stares intently at me. <laughs> um, but yeah, let's get into the game itself. Um, obviously, a good win for the Colorado Avalanche. They came out of the gates flying. I mean, I think at one point the shot count was 18 to 2 there. So um, yeah, you really liked the first period out of the Avalanche there. Yes, you did. And it was the shots. I remember at exactly the 10 minute mark of the first period, it was 17 to two. Uh, But I can't believe we've been recorded for a grand total of, let me check this timer, five minutes and 26 seconds and counting. And we've yet to mention that Jack Johnson is the best goal scorer in the National Hockey League. (laughs) That goal was filthy, right? The confidence. I know. Look, I know a player tripped over. Connor Murphy fell into, or Jake McCabe fell into Tyler John, whoever the hell it was, tripped over each other, which is what caused the breakaway, which is what caused Andre Burakovsky's pass to Jack Johnson uh, look like an outlet pass for a breakaway, like one of those Hail Mary passes. That's all fine. What got me was the confidence Jack Johnson had the gall on that man to just walk in and be like, all right, Marc-Andre Fleury, no biggie, fake forehand, backhand, top shelf on the freaking vet, reigning Vezina Trophy winner, trying to make an impression with his new team, like both of them. And it just, it mind boggled me. Like everything about that play was just not the type of thing you were expecting to see out of Jack Johnson. A hundred percent. Just a disgusting play. I mean, Flurry. it kind of broke Flurry's confidence, it felt, right? Because I think after that goal, you you saw Flurry just not really looking like himself. So awesome goal for Jack Johnson. I mean, if I, ever, if I told you a couple months ago that at one point Jack Johnson would be the leading scorer on the Colorado Avalanche, granted it was only for a couple minutes, would you have believed me? Absolutely not. Neither would a flurry. Flurry's confidence was shot because he was digging the puck out of the net going, fucking this guy? Are you serious? Like... <laughs> And the funny thing is, Jack played 15 games last year with the Rangers. He had zero goals and zero points for the first 14 games. He scored on game number 15, and then he had surgery, and it ended his year. Jack's on a two-game goal-scoring streak, man. He's going to keep it going in Saint, against St. Louis on Saturday, if you ask me. <laughs> Let's see it. Let's see it. But, um, yeah, the first period was great, but I feel like we saw this from this team a lot last season, right, where they would come out in a game not really – play too strongly either direction in one in two of the periods but in one period they absolutely dominate and that's the game and that's exactly what we saw that night they came out crushed for the first period and then periods two and three were a little you know left a lot to be desired I would say I mean it was more of an even hockey game maybe it was Chicago waking up a bit but um, you saw it a lot last year it worked so I'm not going to complain but you'd love to see the full 60 put together yeah, absolutely. And I think uh, it happened in the playoffs as well. The only problem is in the games where they couldn't have that one period of success, they just got completely shut down. And that's why Vegas dominated two of the games. They did it in game, what was it, the one that they lost at home in game five. 
they had a strong period. Then they let Vegas get back into it. They let them have that third period. They let them take the overtime. So you can't do it every single game going into the playoffs, but I'm not going to sit here and complain or be concerned about it. This is game one of JJ, an 82-game season that we haven't had since 2018-19. Assuming this goes well, no more pandemics or the world ending or anything like that between now and April 30th, this is going to be the first 82-game season since the Avalanche's second line was Calvert, Nieto, and Soderberg. Think about it that way. <laughs> Semyon Varlamov was an Av the last time there was an 82-game season. Right. A long way to go, but you got to be feeling good about the fact that they did that without Nathan McKinnon and facing an old foe like Marc-Andre Fleury. So I think they overcame quite the hurdle, and, and you know, it might have not been a strong message, but they sent a message to me uh, saying, you know, we're, we're here to play this year with or without McKinnon. We can still do this. So once you insert McKinnon into that lineup, we'll see you later. Yeah, I mean, once you insert McKinnon into that lineup, it's going to be see you later. Uh, but before they insert McKinnon to the lineup, they got to take Gabe Landeskog out of the lineup, which we'll talk about with his two-game suspension. Devon Taves is still not there. Uh, mm -hmm. Just just everything about this team right now is just loaded with confidence. I mean, let's take a look at the defense for a sec. Kale McCarr and Sam Gerrard led the team in ice time. Very much expected. Give me one guess of who was third in ice time from D-Men. You got me. It was Jack Johnson. <laughs> Jack played the third most minutes, followed by Byram and EJ. And then at sixth place was Ryan Murray. He played just over 15 minutes. If Ryan Murray is your sixth defenseman, which really is wink, wink, nudge, nudge, your seventh because Devontae isn't healthy yet and will be soon, you got a pretty damn good blue line. Like I know Jack Johnson just played one game and, you know, it was one game and we don't, we shouldn't overblow it and blah, blah, blah. But it wasn't just that he scored. It's who was pretty dang good defensively. He was sound. He was very structured. He he played the exact type of game you want from a veteran of his caliber. And if he's going to bring that every day, this isn't, you know, Mark Barbario sitting on the bench every day being okay with being the number seven defenseman. This is a guy that should be playing every night. But then who sits? Ryan Murray makes two million and is pretty damn good. And now suddenly you have all these guys that are vying for a spot like this is the exact type of situation you want to be in. The exact type of uh, problem you want to have as a coaching staff is not knowing who to sit because they're all damn good. I mean, poor Curtis McDermott might never see the ice, but, you know, that's a different story. Yeah, I I wonder if there's a... If you, if you got to really think about Jack Johnson, you know, he's kind of been playing high-level hockey this entire training camp, right? Because coming out to training camp, he had something to prove. He couldn't just kind of treat it like a regular training camp. He had to be ready to go from day one, right? He had to be in tip-top shape before even coming in, which for other guys, maybe not be the case, especially on other teams. So it's kind of like that theory when you're the team that's fighting to get in the playoffs down the stretch and you've been playing playoff hockey for a month and a half and then the playoffs come and you're in, in you know, right... Right in the swing yeah. of things, right where you want to yeah, be. No, I get where yeah. you're going. So yeah, yep. I kind of got those vibes from Jack Johnson. So hopefully the rest of the league doesn't catch up and he keeps bringing that energy the whole time. But I do want to point out one thing again that I, I don't think is buzzing with the fullest confidence, kind of like you were saying. The one area of the team, and that's the penalty kill. I noticed it during the preseason. They got scored on a lot during the penalty kill. The first goal of this season was on the penalty kill. I think there are some tweaks and some some things they got to figure out still when it comes to that. Oh, that was a bomb by Kubalik. <laughs> it was that was a good shot. But no, I agree. They just don't look. It's not that they don't look strong. It's you 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 nailed it. They don't look confident. Mm -hmm. 
And something that I noticed that quite frankly needs to change. Jared talked about it. Kale himself talked about it. Ray Bennett and Nolan Pratt, the little time we've had to speak with them finally, they talked about it. Kale McCarr needs to start killing penalties. And I'm going to ride that for forever. Uh, Sam Gerrard played 43 seconds on the PK. That's fine. But it was mostly Jack Johnson. It was mostly Eric Johnson. Those were the two blue liners that pretty much had all the ice time for the avalanche. Ryan Murray played almost a couple minutes of it too. Kale McCarr, if we're going to look at him and say, this is a Roman Yossi, this is a Victor Hedman, this is a Scott Niedermeyer, this is a Nick Lidstrom, this is that guy. In season number three, going into what's going to be playoffs number four because he started in the playoffs in 2018-19, Kale played 22 minutes yesterday, or sorry, Wednesday, 22 and a half minutes, not a second of shorthanded time. He needs to start playing on the PK. He needs to start being that 25-minute-plus minute-munching defenseman. And if we're going to say he's too young and we got to coddle him, well, I don't know. I He's good enough where he not only is he getting paid to be everything you want out of a defenseman, uh, he's good enough to be put in those positions. We saw a 19-year-old Drew Doughty doing it for Team Canada. I would expect Kale McCarr should be as good as Drew Doughty in his prime, which was a damn good player. Let's not forget how good Doughty was, but I think Kale's there, and I want him killing penalties. I wonder if it's a concern of physicality, because one thing I did notice in that game was Kirby Doc just planting himself in front of the net and just undisturbed, whether it was Bowen Byram, Kale McCarr, Sometimes even Eric Johnson was just letting him slip. So I wonder if they really are, are nervous about the way that a guy like Byram and McCarr plays the body and, you know, aren't necessarily uh, just the most physical guys on, on a penalty kill unit. So I, I'd love to see him get there um, because I think it does need some help. But, you know, I think those guys need to be a little bit more physical, too, if they want to get there. However, Byram and Gerard, or was it McCarr and Gerard, just absolutely destroyed Alex DeBrinkett in two different yeah. scenarios uh, in that well, game. Well, DeBrinkett's not the biggest body. He's 5'7 something. Yeah, no, I remember the exact plays you're talking about. Uh, Kel McCarr's put on a lot of weight, man. He's a thick dude. He kind of is going through that little bit of a growth spurt that we saw from Miko Rain. I don't want to say Nathan McKinnon because he kind of went a little overboard after his rookie season. But that growth spurt we saw from Miko where he went from just like a you know, a, a pretty built European to suddenly he looks like Yarmar Yager from the waist down. Like <laughs> that's the kind of growth spurt Kel is going through. He's pretty big kid. I know he's had some injury issues, but we're not asking you to go out there and try to, you know, take on Ryan Reeves on the PP because that guy's not going to be there. When you're on the PK, the biggest issue you're going to have with injuries blocking shots. But Kale, if you go in there and you pair him with an Eric Johnson or a Jack Johnson, well, now you got a big body presence and then you got this younger mobile kid who, you know, is really, really smart with the puck. Like, Kale McCarr is not an offensive defenseman. He is a high IQ, two-way blue liner like the guy Chicago had for so many years in Duncan Keith. So that's what I have to say about the penalty kill. I don't know if that fixes it entirely. Uh, I also think there's a lot of new bodies, man. I mean, Logan O'Connor is playing regularly. He's never been a, a permanent staple on the Avalanche's uh, team. Darren Helm's a new body. Obviously, JT Comfer, who, by the way, was excellent. And shout out to him for coming back strong. JT Comfer played big minutes. Tyson Jost played big minutes. Those are regulars. Eric Johnson wasn't around for all of last year. Neither was Darren Helm. Logan O'Connor played a little bit. So there's a lot of pieces here that just kind of need to get reacclimated. Um, and I think it'll come. They had a pretty dang good PK at the end uh, last year. And, and 
Valerie Nachushkin played a big part of it last year, and this year he only played 25 seconds in that first game while Tyson Jost played over four minutes. So things are moving around. They're trying out some new things. Jack Johnson's also a new piece. So I say we'll give him a couple of weeks before we get a little concerned on that front. But um, they only let in one power play goal, and Chicago was only one for three. But uh, they just didn't have the confidence there, and I think it'll come with time. I thought that game was the epitome of JT Comfort, right? He created some offense. He got some penalties. He made some mistakes. It, it, it's the JT Comfort we want to see. I mean, I, I'd like to see him clean up the, the penalties a little bit, but I thought it, it, he just had that fire that we kind of missed in him, and he, he was creating offensive chances. Some of them were going six feet over the crossbar, but I think he ended <laughs> with five shots on goal. So, uh, you know, it, I, I loved the game out of JT Comfort, kind of with you on that. I was I was so happy to see the game he played and the Avalanche basically just said from the opening of training camp that we're going to help you get through this funk that you're in and you saw it all all camp. Tyson Jost was always playing on a lesser line and Tyson Jost was never playing on a lesser line than JT Comfort last year. He was always above him or with him. I mean, the fourth line last year was Soderberg, Comfort and Belmar, I want to say. And now suddenly with Nathan McKinnon being out for uh, on COVID protocol, Nas Kad- Nazem Kadri goes up to the first line. They didn't pull Tyson Jost to play with Berkey and Nachushkin like he did so many times last year. They said, JT, it's your time to step up. So I like that they did that. He played 20 minutes. He played the exact type of utility game that we love out of JT. 20 minutes as a second or third line uh, centerman, putting up the kind of play that you want for somebody who is making three and a half million. He also led the team in shots, by the way, with five. Him and Kadri were tied. He had another five attempts that were blocked. He had a hit. He had a takeaway. And he won six uh, out of ten of his faceoffs. So everything about his game was awesome. Shout out to JT. Um, Just because I know we're going to kind of miss some people while going through it. I also did want to shout out Bowen Byram, obviously, for scoring his first career goal. Uh, I thought that was awesome. I thought he played great. 16 and a half minutes. Just a lot of guys stepped up that weren't regulars last year. Byram and JT were both on the team, but they both stepped up as regulars. And then Logan O'Connor, who also wasn't a regular last year, didn't really show up on the score sheet in terms of goals, assists, penalties. Well, he had one minor, but he was awesome, man. It Like, he was an absolute wrecking ball. And I look at his game and I go, damn, I hope he's not injured by game 20 for playing this kind of a game. 82 games of that is going to be an absolute treat. Yeah, he kind of set the tempo early, right? He got that first chance, went off the crossbar. Um, it was tipped. And I think right from there, that's when the Avalanche kind of woke up and said, all right, we're going to take this game over starting now. And I think we'd be... Chicago did have the first good chance of the game. Right, right. So that is correct. Yeah, I think we'd be remiss to uh, not mention Nazem Kadri's game too, right? I think he was an X factor for the Avalanche. I mean, he ended with an assist and a goal and a huge defensive play there down the stretch. I mean, it, it would have only made it four to three, but... Um, it was a big responsible play, and I think we're already seeing the Nazem Kadri that we were expecting, right? We were saying he's going to come out and he's going to have a big year this year. I think game one, if he if he plays like that every single game, whew, we got a, we got a guy. As I wrote in my story, the Dean's List that I will be publishing after every post game, uh, find on mahisports.com, and I'll be tweeting him out as well. Uh, he silenced the critics. Not only did he come in and not do anything stupid, unlike somebody else, uh, he came in and he scored, which is something that he struggled with last year. Like, let's not forget, aside from the eight-game suspension last year, aside from the playoff performance in his first two games last season, he had a rough go in the regular season. 
He had that 22-23 game stretch where he only scored one goal after a pretty good start to the season. And he just never really found his vibe. He never really found his swagger. That's why the part that the Avalanche were missing most with him being suspended is, number one, the center depth, and number two, the physicality, more so than the goal scoring because he just wasn't doing it. So he came out. He had an apple on that uh, second goal, the double tip that Landeskog ended up scoring. And then he came out and scored a goal, which, by the way, to me, was the most important goal of the game because it was 3-1. to Darcy Kemper was standing on his head, which we'll get to him right now. Uh, he was standing on his head. The Blackhawks were pressing, and Kadri came in, scored, made it 4-1, to one, obviously on that broken play with Bowen Byram, made it 4-1, and kind of put an end to any little bit of a comeback that the Blackhawks were going to bring in. Yeah, absolutely. I guess you want to get into Darcy Kemper here first, right? Uh, oh, let's do it. Mr. Shimmy Shake was unreal. Yeah, the little dance move got him ready to go, and yeah, he, he was amazing. I mean, I love the way he plays through traffic, right? He's a big guy, so you don't yeah. expect him to be as agile as he is, but he's he's mobile, and he finds the puck when it's you know bouncing around, it's in people's feet. He's, he's there. He's square to it. He's right where he needs to be, and I think that's really his strength is those loose pucks. He's, he's finding them, and he's, he's ready for them. I really like that aspect of his game. Yeah. And he's got a lot of swagger in the sense where there was a play in the second period where he was on the left. He was in the left of his crease watching the shooter. The Blackhawks tried the one-timer to the to the other circle. And I don't remember who shot it. Probably Debrinkit or Kubelik or, or, or Kane, one of the guys that plays in that right circle. They sent it over to him. He slid across left to right, made a save, kind of had a little bit of that Marc-Andre Fleury swagger where he did a little extra thing with his glove and just skated off with the puck like, I'm the shit. And I was like, yes, this is the exact kind of guy we want. We talked to Darcy Kemper during the offseason. We talked or during training camp. We talked to him during the preseason. And he was this humbled, happy guy. But then Jared Bednar came out of what did he say? He said, that's one of the more competitive guys we have on our team. Don't be fooled. And boy, were we fooled because of the nice, like amazing personality that Darcy Kemper has, you would never see him as that kind of guy, but it's kind of like Marc-Andre Fleury. Marc-Andre Fleury is the nicest human on planet earth, not just in hockey. And then when you put him in the crease, oh, he's got some swagger to him and he'll remind you that he's good. And that's what I liked about Darcy Kemper. That's the kind of guy you want in your crease. And I'm not saying that's like a bash at Grooby or Varley or anything, but he's just so into the game at all times where, you know, you saw him when he let in a goal. When the Blackhawks scored that second goal, the Murphy one that went posted in, Kemper kind of gave like a damn it. Like he was like, come on, I should have had that. And you want to see that on game one of a game from your starting goalie when you're up four to one. Even that goal, he didn't want to let in. Yeah, I mean, it has to be so rejuvenating for a guy like that in his career to be on a team like this. I mean, he still sounds like he's in awe even after... Uh, game one after being with this team for what a month and a half now he's still saying there's just so yeah. much talent in front of me that it's just great to play be- behind yeah. him like I love this team so one thing I don't like about Darcy Kemper is his helmet what is that paint job it, like <laughs> it doesn't even match uh, the Avs colors very well and I also think he could have a, a bulkier upper body don't you think it's almost like he uh, has a smaller chest protector than maybe most goalies would want to rock it just, just kind of looks like he's got a, a smaller upper body to me yeah, I think he's playing by the rules a little too much because mm-hmm. it's not that he's smaller than any goalie. All goalies are slender twigs. Right. I don't know if you've seen, you know, Marc-Andre Fleury. My favorite is Ryan Miller, just a slender thing. And then he puts on his gloves and he's 500 pounds <laughs> or not his gloves, his his protector. So 
yeah, I do agree with that. Um, the helmet is, uh, I, ne- I never, honestly didn't really pay attention to the helmet, but I will now because I do like to look at those kinds of aesthetics, aesthetics excuse me, and things like that. But uh, yeah, I think it has a 25 on the top, which I wonder why, because are you sure it's not a 35, like his yeah, jersey number? Yeah, that's why I was confused. At least huh. it looked like a 25. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong out there, Twitter, Twitter land. Um, I guess I'll uh, keep an eye on Saturday. But hey, man, if these are the things that we're complaining about for the starting goalie. Yeah, exactly. Got to complain about something. It's not the worst thing in the world. I do like that he's uh, a big body. I do like he's 6'4", 215, which is, you know, pretty big. A lot bigger than Pavel Francouz. Um, and he plays like it too. But like you said, he's also very agile. He's got a lot of swagger to him. He moves around really well. He's a good goalie, man. And in terms of like his shock and awe of being here, I know we're getting ahead of ourselves, but when it comes time for the Avalanche to potentially talk contract with him, assuming there's no injuries or any hiccups down the road, I could see him having that same kind of mentality that Taylor Hall had when he signed for only $6 million with Boston for four years. Like, I can go somewhere else and make more money, or I can finally be happy that I'm on a good team with a good structure, playing with good players that can actually win the Stanley Cup. Sign me up. What can you afford? Okay. Yeah, don't tell me a million dollars because that's going to be way low-balling me, but four and a half, five, sure. Four-year deal, let's do it. I could see him doing something like that, and that's mm-hmm. what you want if you're the Avs. You don't want to have to keep every season sitting there and trying to bring in the next starter and bring in the next starter and get them acclimated. Like You don't want to deal with that. And when we talked to Joe Sackick, I asked him if any of these UFAs are going to sign early, and uh, he said, we'll see. So he didn't really put it off the table that Kemper, Kadri, Burakovsky, or... Uh, Nichushkin could sign contracts during the season. There's no talks right now, but there could be during the season. And the fact that there's a three-week break for the All-Star game and for the Olympics, if you're doing well by then, that's a good time for Sakic and your agent to come together and be like, all right, we want Nazem for another couple years. We want Kemper for another two or three or four years. So let's start talking. Burakovsky, on the other hand, we'll get into him a little bit more on Sunday for the next episode, hasn't been the strongest, but those other guys look pretty damn good right now. He'll get there. I feel like he's kind of started the season like that every year, right? You're you're just waiting for him to snipe um, Andre Burakovsky, that is. And yeah, with Darcy Kemper, I mean, I think he's just so scarred from being on a, a stretch of bad teams that he'll take a he'll take a deal to be on a good team and finish his career off in a stronger organization. Um, and yeah, that's where I really miss the locker room access because I would have been all over that helmet in the paint job weeks ago weeks ago um, next we got to get into Gabe Landeskog but first I got to tell you guys about DraftKings Sportsbook NFL fans are you hungry for a big win this week DraftKings Sportsbook an official sports betting partner of the NFL has you covered new customers can bet just five dollars on any NFL team to win their game and if they do you win $200 in free bets. Winner, winner, chicken dinner. It's that simple. DraftKings Sportsbook customers can also get skin in the game with new same-game parlays. Love this feature. Combine multiple bets from the same game for a bigger payout. The more legs you add, the more money you can win. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. Best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code MHS. Bet just $5 on any NFL team to win their game and win $200 in free bets. If they win, you win. With promo code MHS, this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older, Colorado only, new customers only, restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. Gambling problem, call 1-800-522-4700. 
Tyler Bertuzzi scored four goals for the Red Wings, and uh, Detroit still blew a 6-3 lead late, and Tampa had to beat them 7-6 in overtime. The favorite joke that I saw yesterday was, not he has to get vaccinated, he's got to get tested for PEDs. Obviously, it's a joke, but he was unreal. Uh, If you took... Tyler Bertuzzi for scoring a hat trick against the def- two-time defending Stanley Cup champions while playing on the Red Wings and being one of four players who's unvaccinated, which doesn't really hinder your play, but, you know, was yeah. the talk of the entire training camp and a big distraction. <laughs> You're probably pretty rich right now, and I want to talk to you because I probably wouldn't be doing this podcast if it was me. Yeah, I mean, kind of crazy the way the uh, Tampa Bay Lightning are coming out of the gate. I mean, they squeezed out of that game with a overtime win, but just by the skin of their teeth against the lowly Detroit Red Wings, right? And even Buffalo came out of the gate pretty hot, which nobody saw coming. So um, personally, I am keeping my units low on DraftKings Sportsbook right now because uh, it's too early in the season to really put big bets out there because you don't know what the heck's going to happen. About a month from now, I think I'll start going a little more heavy, but I'm still taking action. The only thing you could be sure on early on in the NHL season when everything is still fun and crazy is taking the over on everything. Uh Uh-huh. 100%. 100%. Taking the over on everything. Good call. I do want to shout out. I knew the Arizona Coyotes got absolutely cranked since we were talking about Darcy Kemper. They lost 8-2. to two. Um, But I want to shout out Connor Timmons because Connor started the game and played actually the whole game as the top-line defense unit with Jacob Chikrin. So shout out to Connor Timmons for that. Uh, it's kind of being thrown to the wolves massively, but uh, hope that kid develops well. Absolutely. So now we got to get into Gabe Landeskog, right? I mean, it was a late hit. I think we all anticipated a hearing coming right after the hit, like maybe immediately after the hit. Um, But yeah, two game suspension handed down. I think it's a a reasonable punishment. I kind of expected exactly that, right? You knew he was going to get a game or two because that's just a vulnerable position that Kirby Doc was in. He didn't need to do it. That, that hit didn't need to be thrown. And if you watch the replay of that shift, something had to have set him off, which is a little f- weird because he's kind of been getting pissed off a lot lately. Going back to the playoffs last year, we saw it in the preseason. And it's like, Gabe, chill. Like, <laughs> just chill out just a little bit. But uh, something must have set him off because he was flinging himself into the boards trying to hit guys. And then he got Kirby Doc. Uh, it could have been a lot worse. And if it was a lot worse, it would be a massive punishment. But Kirby was on his on one knee for a little while he was not in a position of a player that needed to be hit it wasn't something he needed to do to get the puck away or get the you know turn the play toward the avalanche's favor you're up two to go two goals there's just over four minutes or just over three minutes i should say left in the game that hit didn't need to happen thankfully kirby doc is healthy especially because that kid dealt with injuries last year and i would have sucked to see him out like i want to see that kid thrive Oh, um, he was such a big part of their team. He was always on the ice. Yeah, he was He was awesome. And and that's what I yeah. was talking about last episode. The Blackhawks didn't just get back Jonathan Taves. They're going to get a fully healthy Kirby Doc. Like, that's your top two centermen suddenly coming into the lineup with all the additions you made. So I'm happy he's healthy. Uh, I'm happy it wasn't worse and that it was only a two-minute call for boarding. Because if it was a five-minute, it would have been looked at in a different light. So shout out to the ref for only giving him two minutes. But two games sounds right. Uh. I kind of like was going back and forth on what I felt was going to happen. I tried to ask Ray Bennett about it. And he said, I'm the assistant coach. Don't ask me. This goes way above me. He said, actually, the way he worded it was the good thing about being the assistant coach is you don't need to think about these things or make these. I'm like, you are speaking like a true 20 year veteran of an assistant coach. (laughs) You don't worry about the little things. You let the head coach take care of that. So 
it's what I expected. Uh, I know I mentioned Andre Burakovsky has been a little, was a little slow and, and uh, you know, he didn't have the best season last year either, but I fully expect not that they, not that I saw it myself, but I fully expect the line to now be Kadri between Rantanen and Burakovsky. I'm, I'm assuming that's what your top line is going to be. So there's going to be a chance for Berkey. Obviously it's going to be pretty tough going against O'Reilly and Perron. So you're the avalanche. You, uh, might want to talk to Gabe Landeskog about just chilling out just a little bit. What I do like is Gabe's got that physical edge back in his game. Right. I was. When that's he, what I was going to say next, yeah. right? I mean, ever since the preseason started, he's playing with a little bit more fire for some reason. I don't know if he feels he has to prove that he's worth these $8 million a year or what it is, but he looks like he's got a different mindset right now. And it, you know what it bit him in the ass there. Yeah. You know what it was? He was strong against the blues. And then he kind of had a little bit of a disappearance act against the, uh, Vegas golden Knights and Brandon Saad took over his top line spot. And then he signed that new contract. Uh, by the way, Brandon Saad is going to be playing with O'Reilly and Perron on that top line. So that's going to be fun to watch, but that's the thing. Like Gabe came out knowing that he needs to be, I mean, we're all talking about Brady Kachuk's new deal with the Ottawa Senators, seven years, 8.2 million. Brady is one of those players that constantly leads the league or is at the top of the league in both goals and hits. Or sorry, shots and hits. And that's what Landeskog was when he was young. And then he kind of got away from that. And now he's getting back to that. So I love that he's playing with that physical edge. He's bringing more to his game. He's got that sandpaper. He's still scoring a lot of goals, but he needs to not cross that line. So as long as he doesn't do that, we'll be good. But he will miss the game tomorrow on and Saturday. And still no McKinnon, correct? McKinnon, we have no answer yet. I would assume probably not. I mean, they said he could be ready by Saturday, right? Yeah, so I guess we'll find out today. Friday at practice, we'll probably find out by the time this podcast is published and up and ready to go. Um, but, you know, no Landeskog against St. Louis, no Landeskog against the Capitals. He'll be back next Thursday in six days against the Florida Panthers on that road trip. Yeah, it's kind of nice how they're uh, getting a slow start to ease into the season, right? I mean, they just yeah. had a, a two-day break. They're going to play St. Louis and get another two-day break before they play Washington on Tuesday. And then they start basically going every other day, a couple two-day breaks in there, here and there. But um, yeah, it's, a, I guess, a nice way to ease into the season. And hopefully uh, they can get a full lineup going here, at least by uh, the time the Florida trip rolls around. Imagine the Avalanche, but with their entire top line and cadre at Tusi. Ooh, what a world. Imagine that. Yeah, they'll get there eventually, right? Hopefully nobody gets hurt before we can see a full lineup, knock on wood. So, uh, yeah, that's uh, that's kind of where things are. St. Louis is next, and we'll be back to podcast before Washington. So it's only going to be one game we're going to break down. I'm ready for it, man. It's going to be a long season, but things are looking good so far. Hockey is awesome. Shout out to ESPN and TNT mm-hmm. for the crazy coverage. We'll get more into that on our episode on Sunday where we like to go a little longer. But... Uh, I'm excited, man. Everything looks good. The Avalanche look good. They got a lot of depth. Jack Johnson's looking great. Uh, I don't know who's going to get the call up if McKinnon can't go. I assume Maltsev, but Megna was a veteran and played seven minutes. He was fine, too. Uh, New played Hook some and, hits like yes, Megna. Yes, me too. Uh, Newhook and Ranta are slowly getting into their own. Newhook still looks a little shaky, a little worried. Sampo Ranta kind of is like running through guys, which I love. Because I think, speaking of those growth spurts, he's going to have a very Miko Rantanen type of growth spurt where he's just going to get bigger and bigger. Um, but I got no complaints about this team. Jonas Johansson looked good in his last preseason game too. So even if he has to come in at some point, I have no issue with that. 
Mm, I'm not, not sure. I, I I'm not sure I agree with that yet. Um, but we'll we'll cross that bridge when we get there. Um, and we will get there because Frankie's a couple weeks away. Yeah, a quick hit podcast for you here. You know, we don't want to bore you too much on a on a Saturday if you're listening to this on a Saturday. I'm on my way to go to a charity golf tournament, Arif. Um, Butch, the referee here locally, who passed away a couple years ago. It's a, a golf tournament in his name, trying to send some of, some of his relatives to college. So I'm excited for that. Good cause, a hockey cause. Um, you know, I'm all about those things. And then lastly, I wanted to thank Everyone for the interest on the calendars. I was not expecting them to be that popular, but I am sending about 150 um, across crap. the world. Um, oh, so, boy. you know, I love it. I love the uh, passion for the avalanche, and I love your guys' interest in my stupid little calendars. So, you know, obviously, if you're looking to buy or sell a house, call that number on the calendar you received. But, yeah, thanks again for everybody for uh, wanting them so much. And, yep, that's those are my final thoughts, Arif. Anything you want to get out before we wrap up for the day? That's basically it. We got a game Saturday. Let's have some fun at Ball Arena, and let's go from there. Right on. So, uh, yeah, thanks for hanging out with us. If you made it this far in the podcast, it couldn't have been too bad. It was nice and short for you, but bless your heart anyway. Hockey's for everyone, and we out to you.